This is another iRaw podcast. We podcast to make the world a better place for animals. In the Canadian justice system, animals' interests are rarely represented. But the lawyers at Animal Justice fight to give them a voice in court and the political system. This is the Pawn Order Podcast, and these are their stories. Oh my God, Camille, what's that I hear? It's some jingling bells. It seems to me we've got something special about to happen. Is it the Pawn Order Holiday Special, our first one ever? It's the Pawn Order Holiday Special, Camille. I'm literally bursting with glee and holiday cheer. I mean, that would surprise me. You're not usually the most cheerful of hosts. I'm, I'm just teasing. You, you can't. Hey, be. Camille, watch it. I'm darn cheery today. Don't you're not even you, even you, Camille, cannot be a Grinch enough to bring down my Christmas cheer. Hey, I, have I am a the lot cheerful cheer one. Today. I'm the cheerful <laughs> one. <laughs> I have I have been tweeting about this for those who've been following us for weeks. I've been presaging something big, something special, Camille. It's not just Camille. I think you misnamed it. It's not just our holiday uh, special podcast. I think it's called our. The Pawn Order Holiday Podcast Spectacular, Camille. It's got oh. to be, you know what I'm saying? I guess I underplayed it. Well, you guys are in for a treat today because we're going to do a bit of a year in review, but it's going to be a totally different format. It's not going to be, here's what happened in 2019. We've got something special up our sleeves to uh And this is where you. the music comes in, Camille. This is where the music, you know, it's like it's the most wonderful time of the year, Camille. We are going to celebrate the 12 days of Christmas with the 12 gifts of Christmas to some of our favorite people and stories of 2019, Camille. I couldn't be more excited. That's right. And just want to note that that's Christmas, that's Hanukkah, that's any other holiday that you might celebrate at this time of year. We love them all. No, it's just Christmas. Oh, sorry. I'm the Jewish guy on the <laughs> yeah, podcast. Yeah, I'm like, come no, on. it's this just is Christmas. To be your line. <laughs> I did say it's our holiday podcast spectacular. If you want to celebrate Festivus, we're okay with that here. There's no animals harmed for Festivus, actually. So it's it's actually probably the best of the holiday specials, Camille. Yeah. And, you know, this is going to be one of my last sort of holiday things this season because, Peter, I've already been to three holiday parties that we've hosted that's vancouver right. that's toronto right. ottawa last friday uh you came for the toronto one which was super fun right oh my god it was absolutely fun I, for, I forgot we haven't spoken about that since camille it's like uh it is weird it feels like that was ages ago but it was only last week and we i came to the toronto holiday party it was absolutely spectacular uh my daughter penny was there with me she was delighted I met a lot of Paw and Order listeners, Camille, which is, you know, all I really care about. And it was uh, it was really something. You guys put on a hell of a show, as always. Yeah, and hats off to Sarah, our event organizer, and everyone else who played a role. But the venue was great this year. We really spiced up the auctions. We raised a record amount of money in Toronto. So thank you all for contributing to that. And then we did it all again in Ottawa last weekend. And it was another fun time. So the parties are done. We're doing the holiday podcast special, and then I'm actually going to take a bit of time off. What are your Christmas plans? 
Well, that's uh, that's you know, Camille. The pawn order grind is is really exhausting. So just just to recover from pawn order is going to take weeks. And we have indicated, Camille, that our next show after this one will not be until mid January. So there's going to be a little bit of a pawn order break. Uh, I am just relaxing, Camille. I have to mark some exams. A, a law professor's uh, job is never done over Christmas, unfortunately. Uh, mark some exams. Do a little bit of work. But I'm hoping to take at least a week off with my kids and uh, relax a little. Well, and I know we've spoken about your birthday on this podcast before, the big 5-0, but you, listeners might recall that Peter had a celebration for his birthday, but his actual birthday is over the holidays. So are you doing this anything is, else to market? This this is the last, the last days of my fifth decade. I know that's always confusing because I'm actually only turning 50, but I'm literally in the last days, Camille, the final throes of my fifth decade on Earth. I'm entering that sixth decade, uh, you know, sometime very soon. Uh, am I doing anything special to market? Only a family celebration, Camille. We're doing it. We're keeping it low. Obviously, I had the big party, and it was fantastic. I did that for anybody who's confused uh, back in October because trying to have a Christmas a party with friends around Christmas time is like, you know, kind of impossible. So uh, yeah, just a small, I feel like I've had my party. I feel quite good about the whole thing. And I'm just going to have a small, quiet day with family. Who knows? Maybe I'll get some phone calls from a favorite podcast co-host to wish me happy birthday, stuff like that. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> you never we'll, we'll know. We'll update huh? you guys in January as to whether that happens. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, it's very exciting. Um, all of that is uh, super exciting. And so is so is uh, everything that's taking place in the Pawn Order universe. And Camille, I should um, there is one little piece of news I wanted to throw out for 2020. And uh, I almost feel a little sheepish, Camille, about bringing this up. But um, <sighs> Camille, I, you know, the word bigamy doesn't get tossed around very often anymore. <laughs> bigamy. But I. There is a reasonable chance, Camille, that in the new year, I'm going to become a podcast bigamist. It's a terrible thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel really bad about it. Well, this, this is not where I thought you were going to go when you started off with that remark. But I got to say I'm relieved. <laughs> So you're starting a new podcast? You... Are you cheating on Pawn Order? Is that what you're telling me? There may be a little Pawn Order cheating. There has, I, I'm just giving our listeners, you know, uh, a little heads up that there's, there's been some serious talks going on here at the home office about uh, something I've wanted to do for a long time. It will focus not on animals, of course, but my other area of law, criminal law. And uh, we've got a really cool format worked out. It looks like it's going to happen with my uh, colleague, Professor. Stephen Penny. And uh, yeah, that's all I can say right now because the official launch date is still a little ways away. But uh, I think by the time Pawn Order comes back on the air, I may already be involved in another relationship. Camille, will you ever forgive me? I think that I can deal with this. Just do not let this affect your Pawn Order duties, Peter. That's all I ask of you. It will never affect my pawn order duties, Camille. I'm first and foremost. It's like a first love, right, Camille? I'm always first and foremost committed to pawn order. So, you know, don't worry about it. I wouldn't. Although I will say <laughs> that this new podcast is going to have an equally cool kind of logo sort of, you know, name type thing. But I can't even talk about that because we're still ironing it out. Well, I'm looking forward to listening to it. I love criminal law and you you were pretty funny. I think your colleague Steven is too, so I'm sure it will be good. Congrats. Yeah. 
that was the only way I could see doing another podcast. It literally has to be because I couldn't do another one like this. You know, not that this is a problem because we found a way to make it work. But like the the bonus of doing it with Steve is sort of it's right in my office. Like he's right next door. So it's sort of a matter of if we want to do it, we just get together and chat for an hour. And since we do that already without a recording, we figured, hey, like, what is it going to take to get to a podcast? Not that much. So yeah. anyway, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Cool. Okay. All right. Now, Camille, I understand um, um, in addition to celebrating holiday parties, which was really what you've been doing for the past three weeks, I wouldn't by no means would I call this gallivanting because that requires foreign travel. But you've been you've been celebrating on a regular basis, which is fair. But I realize you also had a, a recent brush with 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 democracy, Camille, <laughs> at the Ontario legislature. A brush with the law. Indeed, I did. So if, if you guys are friends with me on Facebook or you follow me on Instagram or Twitter, you've probably already seen this. But I tried to get in to the debate in the Ontario legislature earlier last week on Bill 156, which is Ontario's egg gag bill that would make it illegal to uncover hidden cruelty on farms. And the guards denied me access to the legislature. So these are the legislative protective service officers who stand out front and make sure everything's in order and security's ensured at that building. And so I walked from behind the legislature went around to the front where the entrance is. Out front, there was a bit of a protest. There were a couple dozen people there protesting Bill 156 because it was being debated that afternoon. And I knew a bunch of people in the protest. So I stopped to say hello to a couple of them. They asked me some questions about what was going on inside. And how dare you, Camille? How dare you be polite? How, how dare, dare me? You? How dare I talk to people exercising their democratic rights to protest? So, you know, I, I had an interaction with them for about a minute. And then I walked up to the entrance to go in and the guards there, like, where are you going? I said, to watch the debates. And they said I wasn't going to be allowed in because they have a rule that anyone who's been participating in a protest or demonstration on the legislative grounds that day can't later come inside. And they thought I'd been protesting. And I was like, well, A, that's a terrible rule. It's so anti-charter, so undemocratic. But B, I wasn't even protesting. I was just saying hi to some people. But the guard would hear none of it. So I actually, like, this was really upsetting to me, Peter. I don't usually take these things personally. Mm. Like, you watch these debates, and it's frustrating to hear legislators, you know, lie or say misleading things about animals and the way they're treated or pretend that there's actually laws protecting them. Um, but this really hit me. It was just a very troubling experience to be de denied access to a democratic institution. So, Well, Camille, I'd, ha I'd, have, I'd have much more to say about this. But I have a sneaking suspicion this might come up during our 12 days of Christmas. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good guess. That's a good guess. I will say one thing. <laughs> Did you do uh, it yeah, as well? You know I'm, I'll, t I'll, I'll tell you right now, Camille, it's one of my 12. Is it one of yours as well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. I, I and do I have should a, say a further addendum to the story, but I'll save it for when we get to the gifts. Okay, sounds good. And I will say this: I, I just I want to tell our listeners because I think it's more fun this way. Camille and I did not collaborate on our lists. Part of the fun is that we sort of went and picked twelve of our own. But I had a feeling, I had a sneaking suspicion this Ontario legislature thing would come up. I don't know exactly who you're giving the gift to, but I have one also relating to wow, that. So okay, I. 
I look forward to uh, further discussion. Let's defer it till then, Camille. All right. Well, yeah, well, that sounds good. Uh, just just to and let fu- listeners know, I eventually did get in. I called the office of a member of provincial parliament and his staff helpfully got me in. So that was fine. But your average person doesn't know MPPs and can't just make that call and walk in after being denied access. So still very concerned. Fantastic. Now, two other little pieces of news just as we wind up the year. Um, I did want to mention to people, we talked at length about this uh, in our last podcast. The uh, Clobby Awards are coming up at the end of this year. Clobby's 2019. And um, gosh darn it, Camille, I don't know about you, but uh, I can see that Best Podcast Award just, you know, hanging there waiting for us to reach out and grab it. And I would love to uh, get it. But for that to happen, Camille, we need a few more nominations. We we did get a couple of nominations, I think, from our listeners. Not as many as I would have hoped for, Camille, but you know me. I'm kind of churlish that way. The only problem is, as much as I want to get into this in great depth, um, given that this podcast is only going to come out on Friday and the deadline for Clobby 2019 nominations is Friday, um, let's just say you've got to be listening to this on the first day of the podcast um, to make a difference. But if you do... Listen to this on the first day. Um, We'd love a nomination. All you have to do is go to Twitter and put hashtag Clawbees, C-L-A-W-B-I-E-S 2019, and talk about why Paw and Order is so awesome it deserves an award. Yeah, please go nominate us. We would love to win that award. It would be a huge boost to our listenership and to the ideas that we talk about. Now, Yes, and oh, sorry, go ahead, Camille. I I hope you're talking (laughs) T-shirts. You go ahead with the t-shirts. It's your pet project. I will throw out, I just wanted to say, although our listeners did not nominate us for as many Clawby Awards as I would have liked, they did. They have been coming through with requests for t-shirts, Camille. We had a whopping three requests in the last couple of weeks, which is like up about 300%, Camille, from the preceding period. So I'm I'm pretty darn excited. Um, people are pushing for these t-shirts. I don't think Camille's going to be able to hold back. I think this is just going to have to happen. Seems like the people have spoken. <laughs> so, <laughs> all, all five or six who's of listening them. and is exciting about the excited about the idea of t-shirts, you might be lucky in the new year. Just stay tuned to our online store, which is going to be launching in the new year. Fantastic! And there's a link to t-shirts, Camille, because I believe we have a review, and I think it mentions t-shirts. Oh, is that right? Okay. Well, do you want to read that review? I, I was going to leave it to you, Camille. That was my pause. I was like, do you want to read the review? Well, I love our review. this is your episode reminder to leave us a review if you love Paw and Order on Apple Podcasts or what other platform you use. Uh, it helps other people find the podcast. So we got a new review from Let Me Think 88 Really nice review. And this person says, we had a guest lecture in my animal welfare class mention this podcast. She works for the NDP. That's cool. And I immediately followed and started to listen. I'm in my fourth year, graduating April 2020, in my Bachelor of Animal Health Science at the University of Alberta. And this podcast is something I've been looking for. I'm so excited I found this podcast because I plan on being an animal protection peace officer in the next year. This podcast has updated me and kept me relevant on the welfare issues worldwide and Canada-wide. It's so educational, but in the best way. And I'm 100% sure this will help me in my classes and overall view on animal welfare and justice issues. I'm in love. Yay! And also would love a t-shirt. P.S. I love the heroes and zeros. Keep up the good work. Thanks so much. Let me think. That's a great review. And best of luck in your quest to becoming an animal protection peace officer. I love it. 
Absolutely. That is my kind of review, Camille. It mentions the t-shirt, mentions heroes and zeros. Boy, it just nails everything. All so your thank favorites. Thank you so much for that wonderful review. All my favorites. That's right. If it, if it just had a Kalabi in it, Camille, it would have been even better. Yeah, and here's another reminder <laughs> that uh, our sponsor, Grinning Goat, is your one-stop shop for all your Christmas holiday gift-giving needs. They are having a pretty cool event on themselves right now. It's called the 12 Days of Holiday Sales. And every single day, they're hosting a new awesome deal that you can get online at their website, www.grinninggoat.ca. Now, just a reminder that you can also use the discount code PAW15 for 15% off at checkout. And they ship Canada-wide, they're Canada's vegan boutique. Absolutely fantastic. Well, Camille, that brings us to our final in the news section of 2019. And uh, it starts off with a pretty big one. One of the cases we've been waiting for has been released. It was uh, actually decided on December 4th, although it, it, it did not become public for a few more days with the reasons. You can actually now find this case online. It is, of course, the case between the Canadian Horse Defense Coalition and the Canada Food Inspection Agency. We've talked about this on the podcast uh, in the past, and it was an attempt to seek um, effectively judicial review of the CFIA's conduct. Oh, that's a hard word, Camille, really lack of conduct in actually enforcing their own rules where horses are exported from Canada. That's right. So Rebecca Bradder, the lawyer on this case, actually came on the podcast earlier this year. I'm not sure the episode, but you can find it if you scroll back and spoke about it at some length. But essentially, the CFIA was allowing shipments of horses to be flown out of the Edmonton airport and I think Winnipeg as well and some other locations. Um, these shipments didn't comply with existing animal transport laws because the horses were crammed in crates too tightly and because they were touching the tops of crates and the rules said that they couldn't be. So the issue was whether the CFA was properly enforcing those rules. And Peter, the decision to me, I've, I've read it now, I don't know if you've had the chance to, but it's its not a very lengthy decision for a, a fairly lengthy case. Um, the judge says that the CFIA had no public legal duty to enforce the rules, discretionary enforcement, yada yada, all sort of principles in Canadian law. But the judge sidestepped the issue, which I thought was important in this case, which is that the CFIA, in order for those shipments of horses to go, they have to issue a certificate certifying that the shipment is in compliance with the rules. So how can they do that if they're deciding not to enforce them? If they're saying that, you know, there might be a violation here, but we're not going to enforce it, which they normally have the right to do. I don't think they do if they've got to issue a certificate. So I am curious to see whether this case is going to be appealed. I know that there's been chatter online about the fact that it might be. And uh, I hope that the Canadian Horse Defense Coalition does decide to go that route, because I think it would be an important contribution to, to look at this case further and have a higher level decision. Um, I have not had a chance to read the reasons, Camille. They came to me um, only late last night, and I was busy with some other things, so I, I wish I had some more informed commentary. Um, I can tell you I've been interested about it. I've been interested in the way the case was run and some of the issues that were put before the court, and I certainly agree that the result is disappointing. I would have liked to see a bit more consideration. I mean, I'm always concerned about this. There's the issue of prosecutorial discretion, which I actually understand, the basic idea that a government agency cannot be forced forced to enforce any particular law that it's forced with uh, putting in place. And that's just sort of, you know, a basic, basic based on the idea that we only have so many police agents or peace officers or whatever, whatever, whatever. And um, but but 
I'm much more concerned when there's evidence to show that an agency is systematically um, ignoring its own rules. And those are not its own rules. Those are rules, I think, that are put in place by a higher authority. And I think there is real reason to suggest that, especially in the case of vulnerable beings who cannot challenge these failures to um, apply the rules, that we have to be more uh, generous in our consideration of when a public enforcement agent is able to do this. And of course, what I was struck by, Camille, when I was thinking about this case is what bothers me so much about it is that it's the classic animal uh, welfare myth, as I like to put it, that the government likes to say we have all these robust rules and these rules are then pointed to by by exporters to say, no, 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 we, we, we carefully look at these. And of course, when you dig down underneath and realize that those rules are not actually being applied, then the government turns around and says, well, we don't actually have to apply them. These very same rules that we're promoting as the reason uh, for why it's so fair and wonderful and nice to animals. That's a very astute comment and just really highlights the extent to which governments are very keen to use the existence of these laws to avoid any responsibility for a situation that might be negative when the laws in practice may mean pretty much nothing for animals if they're not enforced. So an important case, uh, there was no animal rights language in the decision. That's one thing I always look for in cases about animal issues is to the extent to which that perspective colors the judge's reason. So acknowledging that animals are vulnerable beings who cannot report abuse themselves, have no way to ensure the uh, regulations are enforced. Um, that's always the context when it comes to animals. And I think it's important when judges do recognize that that didn't occur here. And me too. I think that's important too. And I think why our listeners should understand that's so important is that what what I said before about uh, prosecutors refusing to enforce certain things or investigators refusing to import certain things. Let's say I live, for example, Camille, in a crime-ridden area, and it's clear that the police are decided we're not going to arrest anybody who breaks into your house in this crime-ridden area, right? Um, well, like I'm a citizen. And I can do something about it. And I can actually go and I can actually complain and I can actually do all these things. But what we're seeing in these other animal cases is, well, number one, obviously the victims can't do that. But number two, Camille, to look at this in isolation as a situation in which, oh, it's just a mere failure to enforce uh, uh, laws is absolutely troubling because, frankly, Camille, I don't think that these uh, situation can be divorced from the topic we've been discussing for weeks on end previously, which is these ag-gag style rules that make it more and more difficult to actually obtain evidence of breaches. So you, this goes hand in hand. In one sense, you've got, well, a, a nonstop litany of a failure to apply standards that are designed to protect animals. And at the same time, a, a coordinate attempt to limit the ability of bodies like the Canadian um, um, Horse Defense Coalition from actually establishing that these things are actually taking place. And I think that's deeply, deeply troubling and obviously doesn't exist in the same way for humans. One last point I want to make, Camille, I've heard from some advocates who actually try to investigate these laws, and they've mentioned to me that there is a, a greater and greater attempt to sort of prevent them from actually getting photographic evidence at airports of what's actually going on. And that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, again, if the government seems inclined not to investigate its own rules, um, it's not surprising that they don't want to be embarrassed into the fact that they're not investigating their own rules. 
Totally. And this all goes back to the idea that animals are people's property. They're private property. They can be kept behind closed doors on private property or inside closed airport hangars that the public doesn't have access to. And there's no government oversight of most uses of animals. This is one situation where there is government oversight. And, you know, you think that might be better, but where does it get us? In this case, not very far if they're not doing their job. So without people there policing and overseeing the overseers... Animals are left out in the cold, literally. Well, if you'd like to hear more about this story, um, I just located, Camille, it is episode 30, was your interview with uh, Rebecca Bretter, and she outlines uh, exactly how the case was run and what grounds it was brought on. So uh, go back and listen in our archives if you want to hear more. Oh, great. All right, well, moving on to the fur industry. There is some news out of Newfoundland, a uh, fur farm, Cox's Cove, Uh, has decided that it will do something called pelting out, which is basically closing the fur farm, but it's a disturbing term used to describe the process of how they get out of uh, operating a fur farm, which is calling all the breeding females and then closing the farm. Uh, So interesting story. Pelting out, Camille. Pelting out. Pelting out. Can we just stop there for just a moment? Because it's like, it's the term, you know what I mean? Pelting out. Um, You know, I'm trying to think of an analogy I could run in my house when my kids are acting up and I want to punish them. But punishing, Camille, such a harsh word. You don't want to use punishing, right? And the fur industry doesn't want to use the word killing, right? Because that's that's what they're about to do in mass numbers. So I mean, they don't want to do that. So instead of punishing, Camille, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna call it sitting out. It's just sitting out. You know, you're taking a break. That's all it is. Sitting out, Camille. Just Sitting like they're out. pelting out. Sitting out. Well, there they go. They're, they're leaving the fur industry. And the reason they're leaving, actually, is that they cite that there's been a huge global downturn in the fur sector. So that's good oh, news. Oh, that's a good news story. They're, they're yeah. fi- well, it is good news. They're finding that it's no longer profitable. Um, although I will note that they are talking about workers and what the fur industry might move into and the people involved in this. And they say they're going to transfer the workers to their fishing operations, so, you know, killing more animals. And that in order to remain viable, this company, Viking Furs, another fur, <laughs> is trying to diversify by raising that. beef cattle. It's like, oh, okay, so on from one exploitative industry that's on its way out to another. Great. <laughs> I literally was reading that, Camille. I hadn't caught that the first time around. But just as you're getting to it, I'm like, holy crap, what the hell is that? <laughs> They're trying to diversify by raising beef cattle. But Camille, the good news is when that doesn't prove viable, they'll just go into, you know, cowing out. Cowing That's what out. they'll do. They'll just cowing out. Yeah, that'll be that'll be that'll be the move. Yeah, yeah. So moving into an industry that destroys the climate at a time when we're all trying to reduce global greenhouse gas emissions. Great idea, guys. Great idea. Wow. Uh, it is. It is fantastic. Although Camille, I noticed if I this this story is the gift that keeps on giving because I did I did read it when it came out, Camille. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want you to think I'm snubbing my paw and order duties, but I forgot to mention. If we really wanted to get crazy this week, and and this is not going to happen, Camille, but it's almost like an honorary one, we could give Queen Elizabeth II a hero award. You know, like that that was a realistic possibility here. And I say this as someone who is sort of a devoted watcher of Netflix, The Queen. Camille, do you watch The Queen or no? No, but I keep intending to because people recommend it to me. Oh, my God. Season one, 
like spectacular like a tour de force season two eh, season three has come back i've really enjoyed it but let me just say i've got the queen on my mind because i watched an episode the queen elizabeth is opting for fake fur in her outfits i'm like that's big news it's huge news huge news and way to go liz reflective of all the retailers all the designers all the companies that are saying no to fur not to mention the cities and the state of california that are passing bans on fur sales so uh i just want to highlight one more thing about this article because it really does keep giving is that the last paragraph the uh fur farmers in newfoundland and labrador try to claim that uh, fur is actually a great like ecologically friendly process because Byproducts from fish and poultry processing factories that would otherwise go to the landfills are recycled into, quote, nutritious feedstock for mink and other fur farms. And that there's a great environmental argument to support the fur industry because products are biodegradable and animal welfare standards <laughs> have never been higher. I mean, that's not a lie what they say. Oh, sorry, that was serious. The animal welfare oh, standards have never been higher because they have not ever been higher than they are. And <laughs> they definitely should be. They're pretty, uh, pretty low right now, low to non-existent. I haven't looked up the Newfoundland standards recently, if there are any for the fur industry, but I don't think there are. And the, they've the never first... been higher, Camille. Yeah, that's never accurate. been higher. <laughs> and they say that because most, you know, Camille, most... that reminds me. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, they, they, just one more thing. They, they add that most clothing is now made of synthetics and microplastics are going into the food chain as a result. And it's like, oh, you're just going to ignore all the chemicals that you use in processing for. OK, got it. I have two more things to say about this story because it's really the gift that keeps on giving. Um, The statement that animal welfare standards have never been higher, Camille, it reminds me of the uh, 50, you know, let's make this guy 60 just so I feel better. The 60-year-old gentleman who goes to his urologist because he's having trouble, um, you know, he's having sexual issues, Camille. And you know what the urologist says to him? What? He says, well, I got good news and bad news. The good news is that the sex you're having right now is the best you're going to have for the rest of your life. Oh, yeah. For industry, (laughs) get used to it. Get used to these market conditions. Don't you love it? No, but don't you love it? Like animal welfare standards have never been higher. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Like seriously, it's like, it's, it's, it's not even a relative standard. It's just, it's so stupid. Okay. And one last thing I want to say about this story, Camille, um, this story about the fur industry and Queen Elizabeth fading it out. You didn't, it's too late for you to add this to your holiday list, Camille. But you know what I've always secretly wanted as a holiday gift? What? Okay, now this is don't this has nothing to do with my, you know, boundless ego, but I have always and and let me stress this is never going to happen, Camille. Put this in the never going to happen list. I've always wanted to be appointed to the Supreme Court of Canada, Camille. You know why? <laughs> not to actually do the work. Oh. Just so that when I get there, I can say I'm not wearing this fucking suit. Yes. Like you've got to take the fur off. That's <laughs> that's the only reason. I want to be appointed just so I can get up there and like I wouldn't say a word I'd be like, do you want to be appointed? Yes. Bring me in. And then as soon as you're appointed, once it's like a big deal and they can't go back on it, I say, but I'm not taking the picture unless you remove the fur from that fucking suit. Yes. I'm just waiting for some new justice to do that. that. And you guys who are listening and you're wondering what we're talking about, justices basically have these big Santa Claus robes that are trimmed with mink. Um, Mink, yeah, fur-farmed mink. I actually did like an investigation into this, like just research into it a few years ago. And it was like farmed at some farm near Kingston and they passed them down. And every justice has to wear these stupid outfits trimmed with white fur. And it's like, oh, come on. It's 2019. No, 
Nope, not going to happen. Anyway, okay, that was a fun story. <laughs> Whoa, who knew we could have got that much out of a pelting out story? Let's move on, Camille. Let's move from mink to pigs. Uh, this is about animal activists, Camille, and this is an issue that is continuing to arise. And guess what, Camille? You want to hear my secret prediction? Yep. Ag- at new trespass laws coming in Quebec. <laughs> like this Maybe is, this is, 11 this animal is rights activists are arrested after occupying a pig farm east of Montreal on Saturday. Uh, members of Direct Action Everywhere, the Montreal branch, they, they live streamed. They were inside that pig farm. Uh, they entered, I think, first thing on the Saturday morning and they live streamed what they saw. And Peter, you and I have both seen lots of these videos. Like in theory, nothing should shock us anymore, but it was really, really bad. There were animals with serious mm. wounds, what appeared to be eye affections. Um, they were actually just literally covered in shit. They were covered in feces. It was disgusting. I've never seen animals so filthy in a video from a farm but, before. It was but, horrific. But Camille, Camille, that can't be. I, I'm I'm reading from David Duval, the president of the province's Pork Beaters Association. And According to him, Camille, are you ready? Canadian animal welfare standards are amongst the highest in the world. It's like, so this can't be. And more importantly, Camille, I I think what you saw was clearly attributable to the activists. Because these kind of protests, according to David Duval, who apparently said this, Camille, with a straight face are stressful for both the pork producers. Well, that part I can understand. That is that is a straight face. And the animals, Camille. So shame on those activists for, you know, riling up the animals in that way. Well, I'm pretty sure if I was a pig confined inside a sow stall, I'd be uh, stressed out by the sow stall and not by the idea of somebody using advocacy strategies to try to get me out of it. But hey, I guess that's my difference opinion of opinion with David Duval. So yeah, I mean, just, I I am so sick of those statements. I'm so sick of hearing them. I think they're so absolutely ludicrous. They're designed to just deflect the issue from nowhere. The idea that Canimal, Canadian animal welfare standards are among the highest in the world is absolute bullshit. Well, it's, it's not just a lie, and frankly, any, the media should be lie. more critical about reprinting that. It exactly. shouldn't go in the story. It's it's not it's not tied to anything. It's essentially just an assertion made by the association that has everything to gain from making those comments. And like that's what they say. And as always, Camille, what's so, you know, classic about where animals are concerned is they can say anything they want because again, the subjected animals that are suffering the most as a result of these lies can't challenge them. You know, we can. We can certainly challenge them, Camille, but it's not like we can sue David Duval for libel, right? Because I'm not being harmed. It's just a classic. It's like, could you imagine, Camille, in any other situation where somebody's being, you know, said about something and they they go after the subject of that and say, no, 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 everything's great and this is that. There's no, they'd be sued. Like, it's just, it's so ludicrous, all of this. It just drives me crazy. Yeah, outrageous. And once again, guess who was arrested? Not the people who are causing stress and suffering to animals inside the farm, i.e. the farmers, but the activists, once again. So we'll see. Maybe a gig is now coming to Quebec. All right, we are gonna we are determined, Camille. We're gonna finish this uh, uh, on a uh, uh, well. I mean, it's never a positive note because a lot of animals were treated badly, but the result is a little bit positive. I wanted to include this story from my home, uh, uh, my other home um, of New Zealand, and 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 really, I was just sort of shocked by this story. I'll, I'll I'll let you get to why, and then and then you can go on your rant about how imprisonment is not the answer, Camille. I'm just waiting. But in any event, um, this is a case where. 
we had a long-term abuse in the industrial context. And what I mean by industry is this was a dairy farm. And what we had was some very, very serious problems with dozens of cows who were left to effectively die on the property. And uh, this dairy farmer failed to do just about anything. He had some mental problems, apparently. Uh, but the scale of neglect was massive. This was a guy who had a 40-year history in dairy farming. He knew what he was doing, and he allowed these animals to suffer for lengthy, lengthy periods of time. He was told to do all sorts of things. He failed to do them. He continued to try and you know, make make as much money as he could to save himself. And in the end, the animal suffered. And he was brought to court by the New Zealand authorities. And really, Camille, the reason I wanted to highlight this story is I have personally never seen, I don't know if you have, a case in the commercial context. I've seen cases where individual dogs or cats are treated in malicious ways. This was a neglect case, Camille. And I can also tell you with experience that New Zealand is not a harsh jurisdiction when it comes to punishment. I'd say overall their punishment rates and imprisonment rates are lower than ours, but I've been burying the lead because this guy got sentenced to two years in jail. Uh, that is a very hefty penalty in the commercial context. I've never seen anything like it in Canada. No, no. In the commercial context, that would be unheard of, I believe, here in Canada, too. I'm not aware of anything like that. Um, this does remind me a little bit of a case that we saw uh, close to two years ago, a farmer in Ontario named Ben Stein, uh, there was you know, basically a mass pig neglect case. It was horrific. Um, but he was only placed on, placed on probation and ordered to pay a fine. Uh, there was no jail time. And I actually favor jail time in industrial situations because I think that's quite different than an individual who's you know engaged in animal uh, care for some other reason. So, you know, way to go New Zealand for this. Yeah, because Camille, when you read the story, I've said this before, I've been on this rant, you can find all sorts of blogs, I've written about this in the past. I mean, we're talking long term. This is just long term abuse. And it goes on. I mean, what's amazing is you look at it. And it's like, if you look at it, this is what's so frustrating about it. I mean, the result is good. But it's amazing is, it just if you look at the, the, the facts of the case, and, and I've seen things like this in Canada as well. So you discover a farm that's performing poorly. And, and let me just stress for the record, Camille, while I think there are lots of farms that have lots of issues, and frankly, I think most farming practices have sort of built-in problems, I do not think that most farms in Canada holding animals, you know, get to a state like the, the state I'm about to describe. I mean, that's a fair comment, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, this is what I refer to in my animal law class, believe it or not, Camille, as an apocalypse farm, because it essentially looks like the second coming of the apocalypse. But when you read about it, it's like, so look at the, the timeline just drives me nuts. So essentially, there's some investigation in September 2015, Camille, after many cows are found in poor conditions. Well, what does he do? He continues to go on, treat them terribly. So then they return in August 2017, two years later. And it's like, it's terrible. At this point, the animals are much, much worse. So essentially, what, what it looks like is pretty clear is you have two years of terrible conduct. And if you, I won't read through all the details. We can link to it in the show notes. It's just a brutal treatment of animals over a two-year period. My God, I think this guy deserves at least two years uh, to think about what he's done. Yeah, yeah. I just want to you know, last point on this is that I don't think any of us could imagine this situation unfolding with that lengthy sort of period if it was a child. Like, no way. 
No way. Yeah, it's it. Pretty staggering, Camille. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our uh, new segment, and boy, are we excited for the next segment. Cue up the Christmas... Oh, sorry, not Christmas, Camille. Cue up the holiday music. All right. All right, we are back. I feel the mood, Camille. I'm feeling... I've got my uh, soy nog... By the way, Camille, can I put in a plug here? Mm-hmm. I don't know about your favorite soy nog uh, beverage. Um, I'm personally partial to the So Delicious soy nog. Are you a soy nogger, Camille? Yeah, I am. Although I'm not sure that that one is soy. I think that might be a coconut nog. Is that the one you're thinking of? Sorry, that's coconut. Correct. The holiday coconut nog. I, I find that one the best. I like the flavor the best. I, I agree. And we've got a lot of it right now and have been drinking a lot of it. And that's good. That's good. Well, can I can I just say that what I've been filling it up with are the pretty phenomenal, Camille, like pretty phenomenal squish candy cane marshmallows. What? Those are those the yeah, squish squish, um, which has a lot of vegan gummies, though not all squish. Get with the program. Just move to fully vegan. Um, but they've they've produced a line of vegan candy cane marshmallows. And frankly, I I'm I'm I've been a longtime supporter of Dandies, Camille. Are you into the Dandies? They have yeah. a peppermint Christmas marshmallow. Um, all well and good, very delicious. But I'll tell you, the candy cane marshmallows are like the best thing on earth for your soy nog. All right. Well, I know what I'm doing this afternoon. <laughs> it's going to the Squish store. Uh, yeah, if you guys yes, haven't tried Squish candy, candy yet, if you're in Toronto, you can buy them in stores or Ottawa, I think Vancouver too. If you're not, you can buy them online. They are so good. All their vegan stuff is just amazing. All right, Camille, it's the 12 days of Christmas. And my first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. No, we're not going to sing, Camille, but we are going to provide. We've each come up with a list of 12 gifts for the 12 days of Christmas, Camille. And we're going to give them out. These are mostly, of course, fictional gifts, as you can imagine, uh, to some of our favorite and not so favorite people, Camille. Things they really need at Christmas time that we'd like to give them, Camille. Do you want to start or should I start with the first gift? You go ahead, Peter. All right, I'm going to give my first gift of Christmas. It is a topical gift, and it's one that is very close to my heart. I am going to give my first gift for the first day of Christmas to the Edmonton-based community advocates, Tova Reese and Voices for Animals. They have been fighting for years and years to uh, essentially free Lucy the Elephant from her home, as it were, at Edmonton Zoo. And my gift, I actually have two gifts for them, Camille. First of Paul, this is a very optimistic gift, and the worst part of this gift, Camille, is that by the time this podcast is aired, this gift will either be realized or it will be a complete failure. So I am going to give them, as Santa Peter, leave to appeal the Lucy case to the Supreme Court of Canada, which I should let everybody know is being decided on Thursday. So by the time you're listening to this, it will already be a done deal. But I think they deserve leave to appeal the Lucy case to the Supreme Court. But if they can't get that, Camille, I'm going to give them something different. I want to give them a statue of Lucy that can be placed in downtown Edmonton to honor the work of the advocates who have been fighting so dedicated to make this a reality. 
Well, that's a nice gift. I sincerely hope that by the time this episode's out, that'll be some good news for them. And I think the statue would be great. We need, uh, I don't think there's any statues that they're honoring people who fought for animal rights yet, but I'm sure that is coming one day and they would certainly deserve one. It, it could be a paw and order statue, Camille. Hey. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's what we need. All right, Camille, All right. what's your first gift for My 12 turn. Days well, of Christmas? Well, I'm going to go a little out of order. I couldn't put this down in random order, but since you chose some advocates, I'm going to choose an advocate too to give a gift to. My gift is to Adam Knopf, the vegan firefighter. He's the guy who is suing his employer, the Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry in Ontario, for failing to provide him with vegan food while he was fighting fires out in a remote forest, uh, saving people's property. And he's suing them and claiming that he uh, has the right to vegan food as, a, as someone who's an ethical vegan and that it should be his protected human right. So to Adam, I want to give Adam a lifetime supply of tofu so that no matter where he is in a forest <laughs> fire, he's always going to have something to eat. That's a good one, Camille. I was gonna, I was gonna say throw in some Cliff protein bars for some portable food. You know what I mean? But I like that. That's actually what he needs, and and we're wishing him all the best with this uh, lawsuit. What is the status, Camille? When are we looking at some uh, progress on that case? I don't think anytime super soon. It's a pretty slow process before the Human Rights Tribunal right now, because my understanding is that they're understaffed. But Animal Justice will be seeking leave to intervene soon, so we'll keep you posted on that. All right, Camille, on the second day of Christmas, I couldn't resist this one. I, 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 I since this name is probably not going to be heard on our podcast ever again, <laughs> I had to give one last gift to our good friend, very special friend of the podcast. In fact, Camille, the only person to ever be named a hero and a zero, our friend Bob Sopak. I knew I this wanted was to give coming. Our friend Bob Sopak. You know what I'm going to send Bob, Camille? I think what he really wants. You ready? Yep. I'm going to send Bob an autographed pawn order t-shirt because that's what Bob wants. He can wear it proudly when he's off hunting and fishing and doing all the things that Bob loves in his retirement. We want to send him a pawn order t-shirt from his friends just because, honestly, Camille, no one has made me laugh more with our outrageous statements about the way in which animals are treated in Canada than our friend Bob Sopak. So for all of those humorous things that were not, of course, intended to be humorous, Bob, this T-shirt's for you. I, I think that's a great gift. I'm sure he would greatly appreciate it and would definitely not immediately throw it in the trash. <laughs> He'd set it on fire. All right. All right. Girl. Well, along those what lines, along those lines, I have some politicians who I would like to give a gift to. Uh, Jason Kenney, the Premier of Alberta, Doug Ford, the Premier of Ontario, and Ernie Hardiman, the Minister of Agriculture in Ontario. These are the guys who have introduced egg gag legislation to Canada. Thank you very much. I would like to give each of them an umbrella because they have no idea about what the storm is going to be like that's brewing and is about to hit them. And they're really <laughs> going to need protection from that because we have plans. I love it, Camille. And I knew you were going in that direction. I had a sneaking suspicion that those governments were going. And I have a little tweak on that, Camille, that I think you're going to like. Are you ready for this? Yeah. So I, I don't have gifts for Ontario or any of those other jurisdictions. I just have a gift for the Alberta government. And you know what it is, Camille? What? I want to send them I want to send them the Ontario playbook for dealing with animal welfare issues. Because my feeling, Camille, is if you're going to do something as rotten as stick ag gag legislation, at least throw us a bone 
with a revised Animal Protection Act because the Animal Protection Act in Alberta is so deeply terrible and nobody seems to care. At least in Ontario, Camille, we can say they gave with one hand and took away with the other because they did at least put on the books this idea of a new Paws Act, which we said has some pretty good provisions. So to the government of Alberta, We'd like to send you a copy of Ontario's How You're Gonna Screw Over Animal Advocates. You gotta give them a little something back. Well, I like that one, and it gives me an opportunity, actually, to take that one step further. Ontario did a commendable <laughs> job so far with the new Paws Act, and one of the things that the Paws Act does is creates a chief animal welfare officer in Ontario. And I, I think, I don't know who that's going to be long term or if they've appointed anyone yet. But right now, uh, the acting person is a former OPP officer named Paula Milne. I would like to give uh, Officer Milne or whoever it ends up being the gift of resources because it's a good framework so far from what we're seeing. It looks good. But without resources, without the means to enforce the legislation, they're not going to be able to get the job done. So I hope that the uh, chief animal welfare officer receives a huge amount of funding to do that job. Wow, Camille, it's amazing how much we think alike. It doesn't surprise me. <laughs> doesn't surprise me at all because my gift is along those lines. This is, uh, are we at number, what are we, at number four, is number that right? Number four. Number four, because I'm going out of order. I'm going to keep it in theme. I'm going to move down to the sixth on my list. My gift is along those lines, Camille. And my gift is actually to the abused animals of Canada. And there are many. And I wish to give them a dedicated investigative unit and a prosecutor in every jurisdiction. Is that too much to ask, Camille? Because I do think that those are the types of incremental changes that will make a difference. And, you know, when we talked about the Pause Act in Ontario, Camille, I think we both both recognized, I mean, my view is that symbolic changes that have the potential to advance society's understanding of how animals are treated are almost as important as actual, you know, changes on the ground and prosecutions. And I, I thought, I always thought that the thing I liked best about the Pause Act was just that there was going to be an animal welfare officer. And a, a public person who is there to speak out. And what I have found is if you want to find out the places in the country where investigations and prosecutions are going the best, find the places that have dedicated investigative units and prosecutors who are actually assigned to do little more than advance animal cruelty prosecutions. Because I think those are the jurisdictions in which they're willing to take the most chances and they're willing to really push for legal change. So that's my gift, my little small token to the abused animals in Canada. And frankly, there are too many of them to mention, but that's what I'd love to give to them at Christmas time. Hundreds of millions of them to be specific, but I think that's a great gift. So I well, guess, let's I guess my next can be one, realized. where should I go with this? All right. Well, speaking of abused animals, uh, my gift, my next gift is to the Whale Sanctuary Project, which we've spoken about before on this podcast, but it's a great group of people who are starting a seaside whale sanctuary by netting off a large cove. And hopefully it'll be a home one day to belugas and other uh, dolphins or other cetaceans who are currently kept in entertainment facilities. So what I would like to give the Whale Sanctuary Project for their hopefully upcoming sanctuary in Nova Scotia is the gift of Marineland's beluga whales. I think that those <laughs> whales deserve a place to live. 
I guess this is more of a gift to the belugas in a sense, but it's a gift to everyone because it's just a win-win story. The belugas get out of prison. The whale sanctuary project gets residence for its first sanctuary. And not just the belugas as a gift, but I would also like to give them funding from Marineland as reparations, basically, for the years and the decades of uh, forced captivity that they subjected on these sentient cetaceans, whales and dolphins, who were just kept confined in tanks for so long. Let's hope that there's going to be a better future there. Love it, Camille. That's what we need. I love it. Love stuff like that. Good one. All right. So uh, my next gift, I'm going overseas, Camille. I would like to give a gift to the Australian government because, um, as you know, Camille, we've talked a lot about Australia on this podcast and the battle that is going on there. It has gone on over and over again is with respect to live sheep export. And um, it, it has just been a nonstop thing where the government steps up. There's a review. It shows how bad everything is. The exporters somehow tinker with the system in some way, and the government caves. They cave over and over again. And this isn't a case, Camille, like here in Alberta, where, for example, the government just ignores animal abuse, because I think that's bad in and of itself. But what happens in Australia is, again and again, the government steps up. They've issued temporary bans. They've issued summer bans. They've issued export bans. They've done all sorts of things, and they eventually give in. So Camille, I am going to send to the Australian government a uh, an electronic copy of The Wizard of Oz, and I want them to pay particular attention to the cowardly lion, because it seems to me that the answer for the Australian government is courage, Camille. They need the courage to stand up to this industry and say no more, because frankly, it is, there are, you know, we could sit here, Camille, and talk about horrible industry after horrible industry. I just think nowhere has there been such a systematic pattern of documented abuses shown over and over again than in the live sheep export industry in Australia, where in addition to the multiple things that can go wrong on ships, diseases that can be spread in shipyards, you're talking about the risks of animals overheating on board while they uh, get into the Persian Gulf where they're delivering their cargo. And I just think it has just been shown to be a 25, 30-year history of problems. That's what they need, Camille, some courage to stand up for the people of Australia who overwhelmingly are against this practice and say no more. Well, let's hope they can draw some inspiration from that lion who does find his courage. And That's what we need, Camille. I will pick up on that thread. I have a, a gift to, well, this is really to all Canadian politicians, but to one in particular last week who it seems to me needs some education. So uh, Goldie Gamari, she's a member of provincial parliament for Carleton, which is just south of Ottawa. And she is a, a PC politician. She participated in the debate on Ontario's egg gig bill last week. And she actually explained, Peter, believe it or not, that Canada has no factory farms. That's something that happens in the United States, but not They're in Canada. They're family farms, Camille. Family farms. Only family farms where they love their animals and nothing bad ever happens. So to Goldie Gamari, but also to all Canadian politicians, a copy of the film Dominion. Now, Dominion is a very graphic film. It exposes what happens on farms. It's actually shot in Australia, but the practices used there are virtually identical to Canada. So um, I think it's important that politicians who have responsibility for protecting the public interest actually understand what happens on farms. And I think for the most part, they don't. So I would like them all to watch the film Dominion so they can see what uh, agencies and what the farming industry is trying to cover up. 
Yeah, copies of movies is always a good idea. Camille, that reminds me of that time I went to the NFAC conference a few years ago. And I remember, again, it was uh, Ontario Farm and Food Care was putting on a presentation. They were talking about factory farms. And I remember them saying, what is a factory farm? I don't know what a factory farm is. Is this a factory farm? And they show this big farm and I'm looking at it and going, yeah, that looks like a factory farm. <laughs> and she's like, well, this is a family farm because it's owned by a family. It's not a factory farm because it's owned by a family. And I'm like, you didn't go to law school, did you? Yeah. Like, you really never went to law school. It was just one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Uh, her view is there can't be factory farms if they're owned by a family. I, As far as I understand, Camille, the term factory farm looks at the process of the farm i don't really care who owns it not relevant oh my god it was dumb all right camille uh i've got some fun ones here oh i have a special gift camille this one's really special and i'm gonna have to deliver it all the way to ontario camille it is to the many primates living in our good friend yasmin nakuda's property camille oh my god (laughs) she's the ikea (laughs) monkey lady for anyone who doesn't recognize that name immediately Camille, you know what I'm giving to those primates living in Yasmin Nakuda's property? What? I'm giving them a key and a bus ticket to Ikea so that they can be free. Oh! <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so good. That's probably my favorite gift because if you've read the decision, you'd know that those monkeys are only Yasmin Nakuda's property as long as they're kept in a cage. And if they get loose... They are free to anyone who claims them, especially, of course, a sanctuary, which is where these monkeys belong. So that's my gift to the primates living on Yasmin Nakuda's property, a key to figure... I'm sure they're pretty clever, Camille. I bet if I gave them a key, they'd figure out how to use it. Oh, they'd figure that out for sure. And I love this gift, actually, because it's an opportunity to remind people in Ontario, well, anywhere, that if animals do escape from a zoo... They do become the property of whoever next captures them. So sanctuary comes along, you come along, deliver an animal to the sanctuary. Good situation. That's right. All we have to do is figure out how to spring Lucy the elephant, and then she's free as soon as she gets out of the door. (laughs) Oh, God, that's funny, Law. What do you got, Camille? We got a couple left here. Yeah, we do. Okay, well, my next gift is to the dairy industry or to the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, or really perhaps to both. I would like to give those guys a dictionary so they can look up the meaning of the word milk. Because what keeps happening (laughs) is they keep saying that Uh, Plant-based milk products or cheese products or yogurts can't use the terms like milk and cheese and yogurt. And I would like for them to actually read the dictionary definition of of milk. Uh, The use of almond milk, for instance, actually dates back to the 1400s. And according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, milk generally refers to either the fluid secreted by the mammary glands of females for nourishment of their young, or... um, The next definition says that milk is also a food product produced from seeds or fruit that resembles and is used similarly to mammary milk, as well as a liquid resembling milk in appearance. So I think that's pretty straightforward. I don't think anyone has ever been misled by the term soy milk. And I would just like those guys to get a little education. Sorry, Camille, soy milk doesn't come from a cow? Is that... Are you confused I've been by that? confused. I, 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 sorry, are you talking, Camille, sorry, just to be clear, are you talking about soy milk or soy beverage? Because I know soy beverage 
comes from soybeans, but soy milk, Camille, I'm 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 mystified. Careful here, you're gonna further confuse the CFIA. There, They're already struggling enough lot. with this concept. There's it's just woo, Camille. I'm just my mind is blown away. So sorry, just to be uh, anyway, I'll stop. It, it, because it, it's like it's like veggie patty. I understand, Camille. Veggie patty makes sense to me, but veggie burger? I, like, what's in it, Camille? Is it mixed? Is it cow? I don't know, Camille. It's very confusing. Yeah, yeah. Hard stuff here. <laughs> All right. I am going to uh, go along those lines. I want to give to, um, to this is really to a combination of people, a little bit to the prime minister, a little bit to the justice minister, and a little bit to every MP who feels the need to utter the words that Canada has the best animal welfare standards in the world. I'm going to give you a plane ticket. Uh, you can go to uh, Australia, uh, sorry, Austria, Switzerland, or New Zealand and look at some of the standards that are in place there. And let me stress, of course, I don't think any of these countries are havens for animals. But if you want to see countries that actually make freaking attempts, Camille, to revamp and reform their legislative laws governing animal welfare, go there. It is the biggest freaking embarrassment of all, you know, I moved to New Zealand in 2001, and during that time, they revamped their Animal Welfare Act three times. Three freaking times, Camille. Wow. Since 1999, that law has been revamped, often to make it better. Sometimes the changes I didn't like, but by and large, and of course, here, oh my God, we don't need to do it, Camille. The laws are perfect. We don't need any federal reform. God forbid we change anything. It'll like the world will come to an end, and people... As I recall, one liberal MP moron suggesting will be unable to feed their families, Camille. I mean, it is just shocking. I think our federal politicians need to understand that changes can be made, that other countries make them, and that this legislative paralysis around fixing our federal cruelty laws is a problem. So I'm giving them all tickets, Camille, um, you know, within the legal way of actually giving politicians things, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be some sort of junket. Can't just be a straight up gift. Junkets are fine. Well, on that note, Peter, yeah. on that note, I like that gift. Yes. I have a, a sort of similar one. This is a gift to Justin Trudeau and all other political leaders, really any politician. But I want to give those guys a crystal ball so they can see which way the wind is blowing <laughs> on animal rights issues. Honestly, you don't need a crystal ball to gain this information. All you need to do is look at public sentiment and some opinion polls. But the fact is that the public is becoming more and more concerned every single day about the way that we treat animals and politicians who fail to respond to this risk losing support. And I think your example of what other countries have done is prescient. And you could just look at the UK election, just won by the Conservatives, who on animal issues are so far ahead of any Canadian political party. Uh, I mean, hmm. politicians are falling all over themselves in the UK election to introduce new animal policies and talk about their animal welfare manifestos. And this is the direction that Canada is moving in. This is certainly the way the public is feeling. Politicians who don't respond, they're going to lose. Love it. Love it. We need to give the politicians stuff. And Camille, I've waited and waited on this story, but it is time. I just can't wait any longer. <gasps> I want to give my gift. Uh, uh, how many days are we at? Is this? I think this is nine. This is eight. Oh, eight, I think. eight, eight. You're right. You're better. Yes, I think eight. I have four more after this. Yes, eight. Eight, Camille, it's time. I'm going to give a special gift to the security guards at the Ontario legislature, Camille. <laughs> 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 and what you know is that what I'm gift? I'm sending them a framed copy of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. No, <laughs> I, I had the same <laughs> gift. 
<laughs> we did it. Yes. <laughs> we did it. We came up with the same gift. I mean, I have never heard of something more freaking blatantly unconstitutional and idiotic in my life. The idea that these freaking security guards are unable to enact a policy that is as broad as the one they quoted to you, Camille, is fucking an abuse of power. Sorry, I'm swearing a lot in our Christmas <laughs> episode, but it is it is such an abuse of authority and discretion. I, I seriously, Camille, when I heard this story, and I know you felt this way because, and I know, and I also know, let me stress before I even say it, that we're never going to do it because it's not worth the effort. You wanted to bring a, you wanted to bring a legal action just to challenge it because it's just, it's so ludicrous. It really is so ludicrous. It completely undermines charter values, freedom of expression, freedom of association, Section 3 democratic rights. It's it's really terrible. Uh, I don't even know that it would be a successful case, Peter, because of case law about parliamentary privilege and the fact that legislatures can basically do whatever they want. So, you know, there probably would be an argument there. But again, is it central to the issues that we care about? Is it worth the resources? Probably not. But it still drives me nuts. I'm I'm not convinced, Camille. I hear what you're saying about parliamentary privilege, but I'm not convinced security in that matter can be such a core aspect of parliamentary privilege. You might be right, um, but I wouldn't want to go that way, especially when you talk about the democratic rights uh, of parliament and the basic idea of the way, you know, Section 5 talks about sittings of the legislature. And, and I just, I think the idea that parliament is supposed to be public cannot just convey parliamentary privilege to sort of, you know, create what whatever security policy that they want. Parliament st still belongs to the people. Um, you know, you're pro you might be right, but I mean, man, that is an absolutely outrageous thing if, if it's true. It'd be totally outrageous. And I promised a follow-up uh, update on the story. So this morning, just before we started recording the podcast, I got a call from the Legislative Protective Service. And they were trying to, you know, explain what happened. They'd reviewed the closed caption television security footage to see that I really had just spent about a minute talking to some people in that crowd and then moved on to enter. And so the guard I spoke with thought that the guard who said I couldn't come in was probably wrong, but also said that they have discretion and they're just enforcing a policy from the speaker's office. So I'm going to get my hands on that policy. And if there are any next steps on this, I will keep you guys posted. But uh, it's still very troubling. And it's, it's not just about me. I can get in. I got in. It's about people who don't have that ability. And it's about the Charter of Rights. Yeah. Not done yet, is it, Camille? Not done yet. All right, Camille, my last four gifts, I got to tell you, are more of a personal nature. So we've been giving out some big picture gifts. So I'm going to focus on four very personal gifts for my last four. And the first one, Camille, is to my daughter, Penny. I want to give her I, I really quite a simple gift. I just want to, well, this is kind of a combination gift to her and Burger King. I just want them to bring the Impossible Burger to Canada so that she can eat it on a more regular basis. Because gosh darn it, she really likes it. As much as she likes the Beyond Burger, I think she likes that Impossible Whopper even more, Camille. So I think she deserves the gift of the Impossible Whopper. I don't want to have to cross the border every time I want to eat one. Well, I think that's a great gift and it would benefit me personally as well. So I fully support that. I yeah, do have we're all some, into that one. Totally. And I, I do have some more personal gifts, but but I have sort of my last political gift of the season. Uh, this one, again, it's to the CFIA, Canadian Food Inspection Agency. I want to give those guys a new car. I think they really, really deserve it. And this car, <laughs> this new car is going to have open sides. <laughs> Windows are always going to stay open. 
Uh, every time you get in the car to take a journey, you are in that car for 24 to 36 hours. There's no food or water in the car, so you don't get to drink anything or eat anything. Um, you also can't sit down or lie down the whole time because you don't get an opportunity to rest during this trip. And there's no bathroom, so if you need to go, you just go where you're standing. Uh, this gift pretty much represents what animals endure during transport. The CFIA has very little interest in improving those conditions, so I think that they should experience just what it's like to endure that kind of transport. I love it, Camille. It's so topical because, like, this weekend I'm on a, a defense uh, council list server, and like somebody circulated a point that there was um, um, a bunch of prosecutors in uh, some American jurisdiction. There was a big story about how uh, um, how all the prosecutors, you know, had to go see the local jail. It was like the the chief, you know, the chief. Um, it's not the AG, Attorney General in in the U.S. The you know prosecutor DA, was essentially yeah, ordering attorney. them. Yeah, the DA was ordering them to go take a look, so they knew you know what they were doing when they were sentencing people to jail or or or, or refusing to agree to uh, bail conditions. And the, all the the comments were, you know, that should be standard practice in Canada. Judges should have to go down there too. And it's like it is true. Walk a mile in those shoes and get a sense of how bad it really is. I love that gift Camille very very tiny we could all use a little more empathy for others all right my next gift Camille is to our producer Shannon Milling Aww. Shannon I wanted to give you <laughs> this is Camille this this is the most inside joke of all the gifts it's like the listeners are gonna be like huh but Shannon will get it Shannon I wanted to give you a new comforter <laughs> I think she wants to give you a new comforter, actually. <laughs> We're all laughing, and the listeners are like, huh? What? Huh? Yeah, what? sorry for confusing actually, you guys. Do you want to explain sorry. the gift a little? No, I do not. We'll leave that one where it is. I wanted to give Shannon Miller comfort. Actually, more seriously, Shannon, you ready? Here's the nice part, Camille. I wanted to give Shannon the best gift I could, which is sunshine on her wedding day, which is coming up uh, in this uh, 2020 period. I thought every 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 bride as wonderful as Shannon deserves uh, sunshine on their wedding day. Oh, that's really nice. That's That's a good gift. There you go. That's the awe moment of the podcast. Aww. I have another one coming. I have another one, but that's the awe moment. Oh, I have a couple too. So, all right. My next gift is to all the animal advocates out there who are facing charges right now for doing what they think is morally right, which is exposing conditions on farms and other places where animals suffer. I want to just share with you my favorite quote of all time. It's a Gandhi quote. And I think it applies to many, many social movements, and especially right now to the animal movement for animal rights. Um, he said that first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then you win. We are solidly in the stage where they are fighting back. They're jailing people, or they're trying to jail people, they're charging people, they're prosecuting, they're trying to enact new laws to prevent us from exposing the conditions that are so compelling to the public that they change their behavior and stop supporting industries that abuse animals. And we're starting to have some wins. We're having wins in court. We're passing new laws. And, uh, you know, this is because of a huge movement, many, many people. But just I hope it gives a little bit of uh, hope and inspiration to the folks out there who are literally putting their lives and freedom on the line for this fight. You're making a difference. Boy, we're getting, it's getting a little dusty in here, Camille. A little uh, tears in the eyes as we go through. We had all the joke gifts and now we're like, now we're getting down oh, and serious. Oh, the misty eyes. Next, 
next year we're going to reverse this. We'll do all the, the misty ones at the beginning. Because my next one's a little misty too, Camille. I only have two gifts left. And this one is, um, I wanted to give a gift to Kelsey Harmina, who uh, some of you may remember from one of our podcasts a long, long time ago that Kelsey actually went to court to fight for joint custody of her dog. And uh, she had really raised this dog while her partner was away uh, working in the oil fields. And nonetheless, when they broke up, it became acrimonious. And since he had paid for the dog, the trial judge and the Newfoundland Court of Appeals said uh, that he got to keep uh, the dog, and then she was out of luck, more or less. And we talked at length about the wonderful decision, the dissenting uh, decision of Justice Hoig, who expanded on that in our recent conference. And And I felt it was important to sort of acknowledge I wanted to give a gift to Kelsey Harmina, and I wanted to give her Christmas with her dog, Maya, which Aww. I thought would be a nice gift for her. If, if there was any way I could deliver that, I would. That's a really, that's a really sweet gift. I I hope Kelsey has some companionship and love this Christmas. Well, I have a bit of a sappy one as well. Next. To our donors, I want to give the gift of my undying gratitude to everyone who makes animal justice's work possible because it's only happening because of you. Uh, Animal justice isn't me. It's not Peter, it's it's not our staff. It's it's uh, the people who support this work, the people who volunteer, who enable this work. It's you who are spurring on this legal revolution and the way we treat animals. And if we one day win this fight, which I think we will, it's because of your financial support, your moral support, the volunteer hours that you poured into this. Uh, it's all because of you. So please enjoy my gratitude this Christmas. It's it's the most sincere thing I can offer. Very sweet and very true, Camille. Those are, uh, we would be nowhere without the uh, incredible help of our supporters. No question about it. And that's one of the best parts of the holiday party, really, is just meeting our supporters. It's really uh, oh. something to to catch Every- up with these people firsthand. And everyone has a story about what brought them to animal rights, what made them understand a particular experience, maybe something they read, a film they watched. And uh, it just warms my heart to be amongst people who share our values and want the same thing we do. Me too, Camille. All right, that brings me to my 12th day of Christmas. And on the 12th day of Christmas, of course, I have to give a gift to my co-host, Camille Lavchuk. And Camille, I couldn't keep it to just one. So I'm (laughs) going to give you. (laughs) I have three gifts for Camille Lavchuk, our wonderful supporter. First and foremost, Camille, this is my favorite. I wanted to give Camille her very own horse. That way, when she tells people to write their legislature, she can get right up on her hobby horse and go riding across the podcast. (laughs) And we can hear the real hoofs thunder as Camille tells people, write your politician so they can do good stuff. That was gift number one. How do you like that one, Well, that's very on brand for you. I would have expected nothing less. (laughs) Well, if you think that's on brand, Camille, wait for my second gift, which is, of course, Camille, as if you needed it. I think you needed an around-the-world ticket so that you could just go on a gallivanting spree for the next 12 months. Just, you know, pretending to be doing hard animal law work as you go gallivanting around the globe. That's that's what Camille really uh-huh. needs. Very funny. Uh-huh. Very funny, And of Peter. course, And, of course, Camille... 
Third and finally, on a more serious note, a gift that I really hope you do actually get to realize I would love more than anything to give Kimail the gift of an assistant. Because if anyone needs <laughs> if anyone needs an assistant, it's Camille Lapjack. So those are my three gifts to you on this Christmas, Camille. Well, thanks, Peter. It's very touching. It's very touching. Maybe maybe I'll get that last one someday. Well, I, I yeah, gotta you say never know. I, you never know. I gotta say, my gift to you is is eerily similar uh, to you, Peter. <laughs> I would like to gift you a trip to Europe so you too can gallivant and not just, not just a trip to Europe for gallivanting purposes. I'd like to also gift you my Google map, which I have for every city I've ever visited with all the restaurants where you can find vegan Mm. croissants and other delicious items. So when you cash in on that trip, you'll know where to eat. Delicious, Camille. Thank you so much. (laughs) Fantastic. Camille, was that as much fun for you as it was for me? That was good. I wish we could do this every episode. (laughs) Me too. That was an absolute blast. Well, I will say, Camille, while we're not going to do it every episode, I am hoping this is going to become a holiday tradition because that was a hell of a lot of fun to uh, give out our 12 gifts of Christmas. All right. Stay tuned, everybody. We are about to go into our final of the season, our final Everybody's favorite part of the show, Heroes and Zeros. Heroes and Zeros. Heroes and Zeros. All right. It's time for Heroes and Zeros. Camille, I'm going to start off with our hero. Hero is a good friend of ours, and we wanted to recognize a really positive story. This is to a professor at Queen's University, both in the law department and in political science, I believe, um, Professor Will Keimlicka. And Will Keimlicka has just received the 2019 Shirk Gold Medal, Camille. That's an incredible uh, award. This is the Social Science and Humanities Research Council's highest award. Camille, it comes with a $100,000 prize. And amazingly, it comes for Professor Keimlicka's work on animal issues. Nice job, Will. That is so cool and pretty cool institutional recognition uh, via one of Canada's highest academic honors that animals matter. So amazing. This is really good news. No question. And I mean, the work that he got the award for was essentially about law. It was about law and about citizenship for animals and about rethinking the way we think about what we owe our animals and the types of duties we owe them. And I've looked at some of Will's work. I've read some of his books. And it's really, really fantastic. I'm, uh, I'm just really, really excited for Will. It's a, it's a congratulations and a really deserving hero. Super well deserving. And for every hero, there's a zero, and the zero is Cook Seafood Hatchery in Maine. We spoke about this previously, I believe, because an undercover investigation there by Compassion Overkilling showed salmon fishes being smashed, stomped, abused in all kinds of horrific ways. And now we're hearing, and the reason there's a Canadian hook here is because it's a New Brunswick-based company. And what we're hearing now is that the animal welfare officials in Maine uh, this guy who's responsible for enforcement is saying in the story that they're not going to lay any charges against the fish company for this. Um, I got to say, one thing that's particularly galling about this, Peter, is there's a photo of this guy, Liam Hughes, who's the director of Maine's animal welfare program in the CBC story that, that we'll post a link to. And he's got a sticker, an ALDF sticker that says, abuse an animal, dot, 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 go to jail. Only I guess not oh, if yeah. the victim is a fish. 
Absolutely. Boy, what a stinker. Really, just a stinker all around. It's almost a toss-up, Camille, as to whether we give the zero to the company or to the animal welfare agency in this case. Zeros really for everyone. Terrible. Lumps zeros of coal. Zeros for everyone. We should have done the hero. We, how did we not do the zeros first, Camille? Because we can't end off our super holiday spectacular on such a negative note. Well, uh, gonna, let's try let's to find something off with positive our best to say. Wishes. All right. Yes, let's end it off with our best wishes, Camille. I want to send out my personal best wishes in addition to all the many gifts I gave out to everyone, all of our listeners, Camille. We, we didn't mention that. Let's do a 13th gift, Camille, to our listeners because what I'd really like to give them is our heartfelt thanks. Everybody who has shared this show, who has written a review, who has posted a clobby hashtag on Twitter, all of you, we're deeply appreciative that you are really um, um, enjoying our efforts because frankly, without you guys, we couldn't do this show and I would have given up on this show months ago. This is the end of our second year, Camille. Isn't that unbelievable? It's it's astounding to me. And you know what? As a special gift to you guys, check out our show notes for a link to our year in review video for 2019. You'll get to see all the success that you contributed yes. to this year and that you supported. It's fantastic. And Camille, we are four episodes away. Four, four episodes away from episode 50. And that is just really mind-blowing to me. So it means sometime early in February, or sorry, late in February, because we're a little delayed, we're going to hit episode 50. And it's really just fantastic. So thanks to everybody. We wish you the absolute best of the holiday season. Camille, I've given you my gifts, but in case I don't speak to you for a while, have a great holiday season. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays to all of you and to you, Peter. See you in 2020. We'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in today. We'd love to ask you to subscribe to the Pod and Order podcast using Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or your other favorite podcatcher. Also, please leave a rating because it helps more people find the show. And if you can, please tell other listeners to share the podcast so more people can hear us. You can also consider supporting us on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash pot and order, if you like what you hear. You can find me on Twitter at, at Peter Sankoff or at my website, petersankoff.com. And you can find me on Twitter at, at Camille Labchuk, that's L A B C H U K. And we always enjoy Twitter conversations about the show or any other animal law or political topics. And finally, we'd like to thank our producer, Shannon Milling. See you next time on Paw and Order. For more great iRaw podcasts, visit iRawPod.com. That's I-R-O-A-R-P-O-D dot com. Ah!